Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have brought us into Zion, into your house, into the assembly of believers. We thank you, Lord, that you keep us in your church. We thank you that you feed us through your church. And we thank you that you will cause us to always be with your church unto the end of the age, knowing, Lord, that you are the head of the church. You are the shepherd. Uh, You are the one who laid your life down to redeem us. And we thank you for that, Heavenly Father. So, Lord, I pray that you would reveal to us today Jesus Christ, that you would reveal to us in our hearts today all that he, all that, that Jesus is and all that Jesus has done for us so that we can be at peace. Even through, through difficulty, even through hardship, even through sorrow, that we would know you as the God who entered into this world and has opened, Lord, the gates for us to enter into that eternal feast. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I have a confession for you today, and I have many confessions as a pastor. It is hard for me, it is difficult for me to trust the Lord in every circumstance. It is difficult for me to trust the Lord when things are are hard, when things are difficult, when things don't go my own way, when I lose control. How many of you are the type of people you just have to be in control? And if you're not in control, you don't like it very much. So a confession, it's hard for me to live in such a way that I trust God with every detail of my life of the ministry that that God has given to me over the people that God has called me to impact with the message of the gospel. So I ask this question, do you have a hard time trusting God with every detail of your life? Is it difficult for you? Today I have a message for normal Christians. I'm not talking to, to the super Christian who never struggles I'm not talking to the Christian who was never overwhelmed by the circumstances of life. I'm talking to the normal believer that has a hard time trusting God. So this sermon is for you. I'm talking to the normal believer who who struggle in their walk with Jesus, just like the apostles did in the New Testament. Remember they were out in a boat and Jesus was asleep And the boat was overcome by the storm, and they began to sink. And they were filled with terror. And Jesus woke up, he calmed the storm, and then he said, why were you afraid? (laughs) I'm like those disciples. So today I have a message for the ordinary Christians. Not for the super Christians, but for you for you gathered here today. This life is, uh, this life that we live on this side of the resurrection, you know that there is a resurrection coming one day, and that's when all things will be made new. 
But this life lived on this side of the final resurrection will overwhelm us. Circumstances will come that are beyond our ability to handle. Have you ever heard this before? God will never give you more than you can handle. How many of you have heard that? God will never give you any more than you can handle. In our life group, we, I ask this question, will God give you more than you can handle? And my wife says, well, he gives me more than I can handle every day. The Bible never teaches that God will never give you more than you can handle. The Bible actually teaches that God will allow situations into your life that are more than you can handle. And it's for your benefit. It's for your benefit. I have a passage up on the screen, 2 Corinthians 2, 8 through 9. Let's just kill that idea. This, this uh, lie that God will never give you more than you can handle. He'll, give you th- he'll, he'll never give you more than he can handle. He can handle anything. But listen to what St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2, 8 through 9. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the afflictions we are experiencing, experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond what? Our strength that we despised of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves. Not to rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. You are given more than you can handle in this life. So that you can learn to trust in the power of Jesus Christ. So that you can learn to trust in the power of the one who calmed the storm, in the power of the one who changed water into wine, in the power of the one who was raised from the dead, to trust in the power of the one who will one day raise your mortal body from the grave. In John chapter 2, we read about a wedding. It was a wedding party. It was a wedding party in Cana of Galilee. Something very stressful and overwhelming happened. It was a very embarrassing situation. probably more so than we will understand because we do not come from their culture of of hospitality and, and that high view of hospitality within that culture. The wine had run dry. In our culture, that might not seem that bad. Or it could easily be solved by just going to QFC and purchasing more. But in that culture of Eastern hospitality, this was a massive problem. People had shown up to a party and they uh, were expecting to be served. So this was a problem that would have caused massive stress upon a newlywed couple and the families of this couple. Really, a time of joy turned into a time of great stress. The wine had run out. The couple would only be saved from cultural humiliation by the working of the power of Jesus Christ. So we go to John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. 
On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, he did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory. He manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. The gospel of the Lord. We are always confronted in life with situations that are far beyond our ability to solve. Many times I'm confronted with problems in my life that are impossible for me to solve. I, I try to solve them. Oftentimes I frustrate myself in trying to solve them. Many times I'm confronted with problems in my life that are impossible for me to solve. Just as impossible as turning water into wine. How many of you could say, yes, I have encountered a situation in my life and for me to, to fix it, for me to solve it, is just as impossible as turning water into wine. Nobody here can turn water into wine. I guarantee it. But Jesus revealed his glory. Jesus isn't just an ordinary teacher or rabbi. Jesus is God in human flesh. He is the promised Messiah who comes to usher in the eternal banquet for us. And he provides. He provides all that is needed for us. We're always faced with circumstances beyond our ability. Some of you are facing them right now, family difficulties. Uh, relational stress. Um, financial struggles work problems, health problems, even death. This is the real world. This is the world we're living in today. It is filled with circumstances beyond our ability to solve. But then Jesus shows up. And when Jesus shows up, the impossible becomes possible. Now don't misunderstand me. Jesus isn't always going to just wave a magic wand and make all of your problems go away. All right? Do not, do not deceive yourself into believing that, that he's just going to 
to wave a magic wand and all the problems that you face in your life are just going to magically go away. Those who have learned to walk with Jesus, those who have matured in Christ, have learned that Jesus will allow you to experience more than you can handle. Those who have learned to walk with Jesus, those who are maturing in Christ, know that being given more than we can handle is an opportunity for growth. You know that God uses those difficult situations in your life so that his glory can be manifest in your life as you work your way through and as you navigate the difficulties of living in the real world. Romans 5, uh, 3 through 5, it's up on the screen for you. Romans 5, 3 through 5. St. Paul writes, not only that, but we what? Rejoice in what? We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love, because God's love is what? It has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he has given to us. I haven't reached that point yet, brothers and sisters in Christ, where I can say that I rejoice in my suffering and in my difficulty. But by faith, I, I hold on to the knowledge of the promise that Jesus isn't going to waste the difficulty, the pain, or the hurt. He isn't going to waste that but he is actually going to use it and he's going to accomplish something through it for his glory so that his glory will be manifest in my life and the same is true of you and your life too, even through the hardships of life. Paul uh, talks about a difficult situation that he faced in his life. Um, he, Paul didn't have the ability to solve this problem. What did Paul call his problem? Paul referred to his problem as what? A thorn, where? In the flesh. And St. Paul said that he prayed three times that the Lord would remove it from him. But the Lord did not remove the problem from him. But Jesus gave him a promise. Jesus says that my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I believe the greater miracle is not the healing, the instantaneous healing, or the astounding miraculous sign, but the consistent and steady power of God's grace being manifest in difficulty, in pain, in hardship, in stress. The greater miracle is having your faith sustained by grace to trust in the Lord through the darkest and the most difficult times of life. When we face hardships, God's glory is made manifest in our lives. He reveals himself to us as a good and a gracious God who provides all things for his children. And when God 
God's glory is made manifest in your life, when, when he reveals himself to you, you might not feel it. You might not even feel as if he's present. It may feel as if, if he's uh, a million miles away, that he's left our galaxy. But for those who have learned to trust Jesus, at some point in your life, you came to this realization that when life was at its worst, the power of his grace was being made manifest in your life. Jesus sustaining you, Jesus keeping you through your darkest hour. Truly your shepherd who walks with you through the valley of the shadow of death. And your faith in him was strengthened, I know it. Your faith in him was strengthened as you stood on the promises of his word in the middle of great pain and difficulty. In the same way Christ was present at a wedding 2,000 years ago, Christ is present with us now. He's here. He comes to us by means of his word. He comes to us by means of the sacrament. He comes to us to remind us and to serve us and to sustain us with the power of his grace. I have a video I'd like to show you today. This video is about the mother and the father of Paul Keller. And it's their testimony of, of great difficulty through what most of us know happened in this area. Well, it's been a few decades, or not a few, but a couple of decades ago. I want you to listen to their story of great difficulty and of God's grace. Can we show it now? In the summer of 1992, an arsonist began setting fires across Washington state. For six months, more than 120 buildings were destroyed, leading to three deaths and over $17 million in property damage. Authorities asked the public for help finding the arsonist. The Kellers remember it well. The first thing that captured my attention were the, the three pencil sketches. And I looked and I said, that looks like my son Paul, and my heart just stopped. Paul, you don't have a clue what you've done. As Christians, George and Margaret knew what they had to do. No loving father is going to want to even believe that his child is capable of crimes, much less something that is so horrendous. But this is the truth. The Lord gave me the strength at that moment to go and contact the arson task force, which I did. Paul was arrested, pled guilty, and was sentenced to 99 years in prison without parole. For George and Margaret, it became the beginning of a different kind of sentence. I would think giving up your son, which was real, would merit support instead of abandonment. But then the first person that left us was our pastor at that time. Everybody just walked away. And I still don't get that. For the next three years, George and Margaret plummeted into financial despair when their marketing business collapsed. All my business clients just went away and I began to just sink 
We lost the home. We lost our savings, ending up on welfare, going through bankruptcy and devastation, all the while knowing that we did what was right. They also struggled emotionally. I felt like a dark depression just settling down. The kind that's debilitating. Depression, severe anxiety, post-traumatic stress, all those things were going on. I was just a wreck because it was, it was hell. And I did ask the Lord many times to take me home. Please, Lord, I, this is enough. Take me. For a time, they got help through Christian counseling and prescription medication, but it wasn't enough. So the Kellers continued to pray and clung to their faith. In the middle of the darkness, my anchor of faith in the Lord Jesus held. I was being strengthened to just live another day and another day and another day. My prayer was, Lord, I don't know if you're going to bring me out of this or not. But if I am ever well from this, and you could ever use this to just help one person, then as much as I don't want to, I'm willing to stay. One morning, Margaret woke up feeling different. The depression's gone, the anxiety is gone, the feeling of being so traumatized is gone. All those conditions that I had had were replaced with total joy, and I had such a freedom, and it was a healing. It was a gift from the Lord. I reached a tipping point when I was able to look in the mirror and said, I'm not depressed anymore. And that was very significant to me. And since then, I have not experienced what I would call being a depressed person. Over time, they stabilized financially and also found community with people who welcomed them with open arms. Christian folks who I have met through the years who are more loving and tender than any family that I could ever know, standing with us in prayer all this way. Today, Paul continues to serve his sentence while George and Margaret run their own ministry and share their story of overcoming grief everywhere they go. I believe I love Jesus more through all this. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He did not lie. When you say, Jesus, here I am, it is enough. He loved you so much, he is going to bring you through. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be like their pastor or that congregation they were part of. You see, Christ manifests his glory at the wedding of Canaan and Galilee. And Christ oftentimes will manifest his glory through us as we touch other people with love and compassion and prayer and grace. Let's be like Jesus. Let's embrace the hurting. Let's be like Jesus when there's a need, let's stand up and 
do something about it. Many of you come here today in need. You might need healing of your body, healing for your emotions, or spiritual healing. So many people in need. The Lutheran Study Bible, note what you'll see on your screen, says this in connection with John 2, 1 through 11. Jesus, through whom all things were made, performs his first miracle or his sign at the wedding at Cana in Galilee, manifesting his glory by turning water into wine. Today, take your concerns to Jesus in prayer. By his life, and at the hour of his death, Christ revealed his great mercy towards us, assuring us that no one need escape his care. How many of you here today would say, Pastor, I need the prayers of the church? I need the prayers of the church. I need this body to support me and to encourage me Today, I invite you to bow your heads with me. And if you're here today, and if you would say, Pastor, I need the prayers of the church, I just want you to acknowledge that by raising your hand, to raise your hand, to say, Lord, I am facing difficulty in life today. We're going to turn this service into a prayer service where we will pray for you. So I'd like for you to reach out, not knowing who raised their hand, but to reach out to somebody. Just put your hand on their shoulder as a symbol of your connection with them. And to say that we are a congregation that stands with you. We stand side by side through the hardships and through the difficulties of life. Now lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you did manifest your glory 2,000 years ago. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that when you entered into this world, you reached out and you touched those who nobody else would touch. And I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you are in our presence right now. You are present with us today. And so, Lord Jesus, we humbly ask, we humbly implore you that you would touch those in need. That you would touch them, Heavenly Father, with your grace. Heavenly Father, that you would sustain them through the overwhelming experiences and difficulties of life. We pray in the name of Jesus that you would bring healing we pray in the name of Jesus that you would bring deliverance from the power of the enemy. We pray in the name of Jesus that those who are struggling within our congregation would know that your glory is being made manifest in their lives as they're being kept and sustained by you. Lord, if you can turn water into wine, if you had concern for a couple at their wedding feast, that you would do that miracle, even though it wasn't a life or death situation, 
Surely, Lord, you will touch us at our point of need. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's children, please say, Amen. Amen.